You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 294, we're discussing the Book of Boba Fett, Morbius, and the Eternals. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And you just got the two of us this evening to walk you through what's been another awesome weekend, Nerd. We've got two new trailers in front of us. One being from the Book of Boba Fett. A very unexpected trailer drop this week, but... I am ecstatic to talk more about Boba Fett, what this show is going to be, and how they laid this trailer out for us. And we've also got Sony's next big film after the MCU's No Way Home, driving straight into the Sonyverse with Morbius. And you'll have to excuse me, guys. I may say Mobius at least one more time or again throughout this. I'm having a real difficult time really vocalizing Morbius because of Owen Wilson's character from Loki. <laughs> hey, man, it's not in the MCU. You got to stop bringing Sony down like that. Gotta hey. Let them spread their wings. <laughs> we, You don't know if Morbius, almost did it there, is in the MCU or not. We don't actually know where this movie is set because there is Easter eggs in this trailer from every single Sony-verse or Spider-Man adjacent Spider-Man franchise that has ever been put to screen, we see something in this trailer. This is a really big trailer, three-minute trailer, and it really expands what we're going to see in this film and potentially the consequences for even movie like Norway Home that will run into this coming in January. So not too long for Morbius. And we're also going to touch on The Eternals. It drops this week. Day this drops, this episode drops, Eternals will be debuting in theaters and do you know what the buzz is not like a normal mcu movie and we're going to expand a little bit on that later on in the episode but first things first before we even get into this weekend nerd we got to talk about a big announcement from here in the nerd room we have welcomed a new member to the family in our good friend from Japan, it's Ian, Tokyo Joey on Twitter. He has come, he has joined us on a creative level, on a celebration level here in the Nerd Room. He's going to be contributing to our, our collective voice here in the Nerd Room. He's going to be putting out content on our YouTube page in video form, which he's already done. He understood the assignment, guys. And he's going to be hopping on the podcast from time to time when we're able to make that that very wide time zone work. But we're really excited to have him as part of the collective voice here inside of the Nerd Room. And so we just want to give a big shout out to our man, Ian, and another big welcome. We threw that up on Twitter the other day. He debuted his first piece of content in the form of a Guardians of the Galaxy video game review and discussion go check that out on our youtube channel the nerd room podcast right now or maybe after you listen to this episode but it's there for you guys to consume but very excited to have you in the family and this dysfunctional family as you called it in that review and that got a, a big laugh out of me <laughs> <laughs> so carlos man what, what do you have to say about uh the nerd room here expanding its its slate of creatives and its voice 
Oh man, I'm uh, I'm excited about Ian coming in. Yeah, I I think that was uh, that was me doing my Bruce Wayne kind of mm-hmm. saying uh, there there's there's something coming, and I'm gonna need warriors. So yes. uh, yeah, Ian was uh, Ian was top pick in the draft. You know, like we needed to expand out some of that video content, and you know the guy is all over social media, mm-hmm. and everybody loves him. So. It, uh, it was just a good fit. It's just a good fit. And, you know, even just tonight, he's the the eyes in those Japanese toy stores for us, yes. scooping out those hot toys and all the other little fun treats. So, yeah, I think it'll be something new and different and then awesome to the Nerd Room. So I couldn't be uh, any more excited to have him as part of the fold officially. Yeah, this gives you a full almost 24-hour global voice from the Nerd Room. And that's that's really important to us is so you cannot escape us. You know those eight hours or so, some of us six hours that you you get to forget about the nerd room, forget about us on Twitter and Instagram. Nope, Ian's got that other half of the world covered now. <laughs> that's right. And he does it with just so much more energy than we do. So there's always like music <laughs> and dancing and like flashing lights and stuff like that. So uh it's incredible. Yeah. You you, you can get that fixed at any time, any hour. Yeah. So go give him a follow on Twitter, Tokyo underscore Joey, I believe is his handle. We'll throw it maybe at the end when I have a chance to update everything here. But yes, Ian is part of it. And we're going to be continue to expand that content in different avenues too. It's not just going to be a podcast. Like Carlos said, expanding that video slate, Instagram, potentially TikTok, whatever. We want to do a bit more and grow a little bit here. And with that, it's also going to require some new voices, some new creatives coming into the nerd room here and giving you their spin on this celebratory, on this positive empire that we are trying to build. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to fire off this positivity empire with an Eternals review. This, it's, it's coming later. We're going to talk about some of these trailers <laughs> right away here, guys, because we're going to jump into this week in nerd. Welcome, everyone, to This Week in Nerd, our weekly news segment where we cover the latest and greatest in the world of nerd. And we got two trailers to break down this week. And so I I love a good trailer breakdown. I love a good trailer drop that is so unsuspected. It captures the fandom by complete surprise. And we get to just gush over these things on the podcast. We're going to start with actually the trailer that dropped today. We got a teaser or I don't even know what you call it, a bit of a commentary from Jared Leto, who is a star of Morbius, yesterday, and today we got the official trailer drop. Now, like I said at the top, this is a pretty substantial trailer. This is a three-minute, nine-second-long trailer, which is about a minute longer than most normal trailers. Yes, we did have an original trailer, but that was quite some time ago. But this really pads out and gives us some big insight into what this movie was going to be. I would even argue this trailer might be a tad bit long and a bit too revealing in that the fact that it tells us a good chunk of the story and it gives us a lot of Easter eggs that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But overall, this thing really intrigued me. Morbius has been at the back of my mind, almost forgot about it, to be honest with you. But with this trailer that has Jared Leto really on display here and how dynamic he's going to be in this film, how crisp this film looks, it really moves away from this campy Venomverse. And we're getting something that appears to be much more consistent in tone, at least from the trailer here, 
throughout the entirety of the film. So Carlos, talk to me about, about Morbius, how this maybe changes your anticipation and your thoughts actually on what this trailer delivers, maybe outside of Tyrese. <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, let's, ju- let's just get that out of the way right now. <laughs> In that a fellow's got to be guarded and you can only get so excited about a Sony project that stars Tyrese. <laughs> so it, like this trailer going through it and watching it, it was the highest of highs because I was loving Jared Leto's performance. I was really digging where they're going with the character and how they have like this kind of uh, life's journey for him with uh, the disease that he's fighting as he's a kid. And then how he translates his experience into becoming a doctor and trying to treat people with a similar affliction. And that's what leads to him becoming Morbius, the living vampire. So loving all of that and uh, just kind of the, the horror vibes that it's giving you mm-hmm. and the, the aesthetic. And then Tyrese, man, like that guy's <laughs> dropping in all over the place and just ripping me right out of this trailer. Maybe it's because Troy and I, as like a pastime, we do make fun of Tyrese like quite regularly in our DM. Yeah, with with uh, DJ, you and the Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or maybe that that's just it too, because um, ride or die with the uh, with the Rock. But uh, yeah, like that guy would rip me out of this trailer all the time. <laughs> maybe that's why it had to be so long because it pulls you out and then I had to get you back in. <laughs> but then they'd start showing Morbius and showing how his powers worked, and I just love the look of the film, like his yeah. echolocation was so cool and we haven't seen anything like that and then when he learns how to fly everything really worked and those were kind of those superhero powers and showcases that can kind of come off as hokey or cheesy on film but the way that the director and cinematographer put that together it really came off well in the trailer Mm -hmm. so yeah like Tyrese notwithstanding this was a banger of a trailer I'm expecting to get like a a DM from Tyrese with one of those videos of him crying, being like, what else do you want from me? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but we'll see what happens when this uh, episode drops. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see if you get one of those DMs. Yeah. I I can't agree with you more on the look of this, this trailer. I think this is, this immediately rockets this January debut, which is a bit of a graveyard zone for, for films traditionally, maybe not so much in this era. But immediately rocks it to a. I gotta go check this out in theaters, because it it seems to to play on some of the elements that we're familiar with. It almost tries to run with the fact that there's an established universe already, and I don't know if that's a consequence of the pandemic or these films shifting around, or if it's just Sony buying fully into whatever's gonna happen in No Way Home because. It leans into all these different aspects and all these nods to different franchises and all that. The trailer is constructed in a way that that we're in the know, if you know what I mean. And that's confusing a bit, I think, to a lot of us that are, quote unquote, in the know and we understand what's going on here. But they kind of gloss over a lot of things in this Easter egg, like Michael Keaton in his homecoming prison outfit from the MCU. We've got the Oscorp Tower which is the same lettering as the Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield universe. You've got the graffitied Tobey Maguire Spider-Man from the Raimi universe. I think the Daily Bugle paper is maybe the same mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And then you've got the mention of San Francisco and that incident, which is a reference to Venom. And then you've got Morbius himself saying, I am Venom. <laughs> so that's like right on the nose. So you've got four different franchises, I guess, 
one that's technically, I guess I won't say that, but you got four different franchises that are all showing up here in Easter eggs, but the player, the trailer plays off like, no, you guys know exactly what's going on. We're just going to run with this established universe. But what, what is, what's your take on what universe this is in? Is this just there for the sake of it? Or is there a grander plan here coming out of No Way Home that Morbius is alluding to? Like this amalgam universe of Spider-Men that we're just going to have. And this movie is already there. Well, basically the kids, they love the Venom. <laughs> And we have to give it to them wherever they want. And as long as Avi is in Sony, Venom will be the key to bringing all these characters together. Because, you know, it's a great success with Venom 2 and Carnage. And, uh, you know, we couldn't be happier. So we had to get that in there. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Avi Arad. He has made his appearance, his every six months appearance on the Nerd Room Podcast. Avi, it's great to have you here. Well, you know, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, we saw all the things going on and the kids going crazy for the Venom, so we thought we'd bring it all together. And Morbius is there and Venom and... It's uh, one big mix. So after <laughs> Kevin is finished making mess, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> there he is, guys. Carlos, laying it down. We talked about this even this weekend, and boom, here he is. He's made that appearance. But... What what is your take now that we've got Avi's opinion interjected in here? What his thoughts are on how they're constructing that universe? What are your thoughts here on exactly what he's doing with this? Uh yeah, I I think that No Way Home is going to be a bit of a key as to mm-hmm. what happens and um where Spider-Man is going to fit after all of this. I do think that um, they're going to put Spider-Man in a position where this is his world and his home base and your Spider-Man of record is going to operate out of uh, the Sony-verse, probably the Tom Holland Spider-Man, I-, I would suggest. And then you'll have him pop up in other stuff when the MCU needs him. Uh, and they've probably opened some doors to those type of things. But, um, yeah, like I... Michael Keaton's vulture being in there isn't uh, like you, they would take that piece with them because the vulture would be one of the Sony characters. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we saw the extent of his role in the movie, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. like it'll probably just be a cameo and that looked like the two of them passing in a prisoner transfer or something of that nature, yeah. or maybe like a court appearance. So, <sighs> Yeah, I suspect that that's what they're doing, and they're going to kind of fox X-Men it a little bit where all this stuff exists, and we'll poach the pieces that we like, and mm. we'll leave other ones unspoken to. But at the end of the day, you're going to have your Tom Holland Spider-Man and your uh, Tom Hardy Venom and all those things under the umbrella of Sony Pictures. And then, like, Doctor Strange 2, spoilers, but apparently he's fighting Shuma Garath and America Chavez is in it, who mm-hmm. has the kind of portal power. So you'll see something like Ask Spider-Man come out of the portal and I'm sure join the fray with the fight against Shuma Garath and whatever else Doctor Strange needs him for. But, um, yeah, I suspect that the Spider-Man appearances, A, will be few and far between, and B, 
his solo movies and the movies with his characters will be a lot more self-contained. Yeah. So they'll almost have kind of two concurrent universes, almost like they had on the Fox TV kids or the Fox animated shows, right? Where X-Men and Spider-Man technically existed in the same space and time, but there was only the one crossover, but mm-hmm. audiences from watching both knew exactly what was going on and yeah. Bob's your uncle. Yeah, and we've we've come to a point too with all these movies that there's some expectation that they do crossover, that they do have narrative that ties together in some capacity. And I think Sony's going to deliver on that. But you're right in the the fact that the Spider-Man stuff might be a bit more self-contained in and on its own, and you have stuff weaving in and out, but not really. I, I'm curious if, like, when I talk about a Spider-Man amalgam universe, it's almost what you're saying where they're just going to pluck what they want and put it into their own Sony-verse for now mm-hmm. and build towards a live-action Spider-Verse. I've been saying it for a while now that I don't... I think No Way Home is going to be the catalyst for the Sony-verse and what they're pulling everything out of and what they're going to build there. And they're going to build in their own universe to this live-action Spider-Verse. I don't see why they would allow the MCU to do it because that's a huge moneymaker. When you slap Spider-Verse, we're going to have x y and z spider-man they were teased a little bit in no way home no we're gonna have the full team up here in our own event movie maybe we'll throw venom into that as well there's a lot more potential for that and i i know we've lost avi for this (laughs) for this point in the segment but that to me seems like the better business decision from sony is let marvel tease it we're gonna blow it up over here and do big money event style film that they've never had an opportunity to do really yeah, well, like Disney taking fifty percent of the pie for No Way Home really changes the financials of things, right? And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it doesn't make sense for Sony to keep sharing, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And so, yeah, they use Disney for what they needed to use them for to get Spider Man on a shoulder to shoulder level with the MCU characters, and now they can do their own thing. And you know what? Who's to say that the MCU keeps thriving? And maybe it's a better for sony and spider-man if they can do their own thing right mm-hmm. personally i think for us as audiences it's better because i personally kind of fall into the i like spider-man on his own camp mm-hmm. um and i think that's where the character thrives and where he's at his best so you have that and then you know if the franchise starts losing steam you've got miles morales you can play with spider-verse stuff mm-hmm. if you want to i don't think that you should a ton and just leave that for your animated franchise which is arguably some of the best spider-man stuff out there anyways so yeah lots of options mm-hmm. um as marvel comics will show you with their plethora of spider-man offerings yeah. <laughs> every month so yeah they could take it in any which way direction and kind of much like dc they get to the benefit from marvel doing all the heavy lifting right exactly yeah exactly and this this morbius is just going to be another piece to all of that which which it sounds like we're both excited about so the trailer did its job although like i said it might have revealed a little too much for my liking but at the end of the day it did the trick hey man sony's gonna sony yeah <laughs> <laughs> got they roll. Yeah, here's the whole movie, guys. I don't. I other than a, maybe a surprise cameo from Venom and a few others, uh, my guess is we could probably write m- the majority of the script for this film. Based oh on man, this from trailer. the time I was a kid of the Columbia TriStar days, Sony has always shown the entire movie in their trailers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't even try to mix any of it up, right? 
<laughs> no. It's like, here's the start, here's the middle, here's probably the end. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So moving on to another trailer that's a bit more secretive with the story that we're going to see, and that's The Book of Boba Fett. Now, this is a trailer that dropped more or less out of nowhere, and here we are discussing a, a show a Disney Plus show that's going to be coming to us on December 29th. So just before the end of the year, we're going to get back into that Mandalorian universe with the Book of Boba Fett. It was teased at the end of Season 2, where we're going with this character after he was resurrected in a very meaningful way in The Mandalorian. Actually had a nice little arc inside of Season 2. And here we are picking up his story from the threads of of the mandalorian season two so this is a much shorter trailer we got a two minute trailer here lots of very long classic star wars framing shots and it feels very much a piece with the mandalorian universe in tone in look in setting which i really like it feels like we have this great anthology style of storytelling that's going inside of this filoni favreau mandalorian universe whatever you want to call it there is something much larger going on here You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? What prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? If he had spoken such insolence to Jabba, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please, speak freely. So, first reactions, Carlos. The trailer drops. What are you thinking about the Book of Boba Fett? Well, it was neat to see Tamura Morrison looking back to himself. Ah, I love it. <laughs> Bravo, I've literally got a note here that says, looks like he took a dip and a back to tank. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. We're in sync today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love the look of it. To be honest, the most compelling thing for me, and as I've said like a million times, is I love kind of that uh, people in the world, uh, socio-political part of Star Wars, and when we get glimpses of that. And so, like the trailer itself, with its um, spectacle didn't knock my socks off, which mm -hmm. is actually not a good thing or a bad thing. That it's just what it is. But I loved that they've kind of set Boba up to be a character who's going to put his stamp on Tatooine and uh, to have him fill the, the vacuum that was Jabba the Hutt getting killed. So I'm pretty interested in where they take that. And I like when he's talking about the type of ruler that he's going to be and where he wants to take kind of the criminal underworld and mm -hmm. how that's going to be different from how things were done in the past. I think that'll be the fascinating piece of it for me. And uh, especially if they're going to play him as a villain and Fennec as an anti-hero, or if they're both villains or if they're both heroic and trying to invoke some changes and whatnot. So that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then there was like rumblings of them doing like a Darth Maul um, animated series yep. as well with some of the Crimson Dawn and that. Yeah. yeah. So to see where that transition takes place between the Crimson Dawn and their criminal empire, or maybe they're just like a rival crime family, so to speak, or, 
or how they play that. But yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know exactly where Book of Boba Fett was gonna go, but um, I didn't see this one coming, and and I really dig the vibe and uh, the setting for it, and that he's kind of trying to establish a a new order, so to speak, on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that it doesn't have to specifically be about like one thing. Like, is there gonna be a MacGuffin? Maybe, maybe not. But it it's gonna be a story about that exact thing that we want and that we love inside star Wars. And that's just like expanding this universe. It's in a familiar setting. We got characters, aliens that we are familiar with. We, at least their likeness and you're getting, well, we got bid Fortuna at the end of, of the Mandalorian season two. And so they're going to play with a lot of these elements that, that we know and love, but I think like the Mandalorian, they're going to progress them in a different way in an unsuspecting way. And so that's what I love about this and the fact that it does feel very much like season 2.5 of The Mandalorian is that we're going to grow those concepts and those ideas. We're going to make you feel like you're watching stars, but we're also going to tell a very different story with that. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually really happy that they didn't try and latch us on to The Mandalorian season three or mm-hmm. yeah. make it a bigger part of season two because it wouldn't do either of them justice. So this way Boba gets to spread his wings and fly and Mando's already got like a few different things going on with Grogu now and Din being separated. So yeah, yeah, it should be cool. Yeah. They very, yeah, they very much diverged and you're right. This could have been a piece with Mando season three, where you have these two concurrent storylines, but what that would leave you with is asking more from either side. I want mm-hmm. more of Din. I want more of Boba. Let's expand this. And so I think they've done the right thing in actually giving us this in between those two seasons, give a little bit of room to breathe there and give Boba that limelight that he's been seeking for like 40 years. <laughs> yeah, we'll finally get to know exactly why everybody loves him aside yeah. from being a mail-away figure. <laughs> I have so many Boba Fett figures. <laughs> <laughs> now, you you mentioned it there. Tamora Morrison, he's back in this role. He seems like he's going to spend a lot of time with his helmet off. At least that was my impression I got. And this might be a way to distinguish him a little differently from the Mandalorian, where you just have this guy with his helmet walking around and maybe gets away from some of that confusion for the GA, gets away from some of that direct analogous comparison between these two other just Mandalorians. This is what they do. So I think that's maybe why he had the back to bath because he's looking a lot better in this than he did when he was on tattooing getting spit out of that pit right <laughs> well yeah there's that and then like you know he's more popular than ever having played aquaman's dad yes. in the aquaman movie so yes. <laughs> as our as our good friend rick will attest like that really rocketed um tomorrow morrison to superstardom <laughs> was his turn in aquaman so yeah of course disney's gonna want to cash in on the popularity of that movie and just how beloved it is so yeah <laughs> that billion dollar franchise you know Absolutely. it's no it's no coincidence that that came out in 2018 around christmas and this is also coming out around christmas time they're trying to link up that that big tomorrow Madison fan base from aquaman from this time they expect him to be in here it's the tomorrow multiverse yeah exactly <laughs> he's gonna show up in ahsoka as a different it, character it's gonna be great everywhere man <laughs> everywhere oh I would love if Captain Rex showed up in Ahsoka. It, it it has to happen. Like, if he's still alive, it has to happen. I don't know if there's some canonical explanation as to why it wouldn't, but ultimately that seems like a given to me. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they're bringing everybody else back for it, so why not? Yeah. If we get a flashback, if they use Anakin or Hayden Christensen as the flashback, like how insane would that be to get a scene of live action Ahsoka, Rex, and Anakin? It's it's happening. You know, we talked about it last week and our excitement for that. But right now, I think anything's on the table. Like mm-hmm. As soon as Luke was chucked out at the end of season two, I think that puts everything on the table. Oh, like, yeah. There's Not nothing that years. is off limits in Disney Plus. And and you even wonder, you know, is is Disney Plus, and I know we've talked about this lots, but is it the future of Star Wars, do you think? Like with everything that we're getting, yes, the big screen has always been the staple, but they keep pushing these movies out. We're twenty three now before end of twenty three, before we get a live action Star Wars film on the big screen, and we're gonna spend a ton of time on Disney Plus working through these characters, expanding stories post-Return of the Jedi, really working in this universe. And then to complement that, you have all of the animated stuff, like the mall underworld style of story that they potentially could tell in animation that picks up, I think it's a somewhat of a prequel maybe to Solo um, mm-hmm. in that time frame. So Disney Plus seems to be where they're really working out the kinks of what the last couple of years were like i love the sequel stuff but they've seemed to really retreat back into a comfort zone and a way of storytelling that is somewhat new to star wars the episodic has always been a thing but it's you often got three or five or however many years in between them and they're much bigger in scale this is big in scale bigger in story but it feels more comfortable at this point in time yeah, we'll see. Like, just for me personally, I look at all the things on the horizon for Star Wars, and I'm really excited about all the Disney Plus mm-hmm. projects. But, like, the Rogue Squadron movie, mm-hmm. like, that's one where Patty Jenkins is kind of the most interesting yeah. part of that equation for me. So, yeah, like, I think that Disney Plus is definitely where it's at with Star Wars. And the success of Star Wars on Disney Plus can't be argued with. Like, no. You know, even if you just kind of take that cold analytical look at it, I'm going to argue that the Mandalorian and Grogu has sold more merchandise than the sequel trilogies did. And that's a big piece of how they look at what to develop and what not to develop. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a good fit. And the the only thing that might compete with Grogu and Mando is that first bump through with BB-8 and Rey and Finn like that might be close but I think longevity like Grogu's literally everywhere you go to Toys R Us you go to EB Games you go anywhere that sells toys Walmart that is right there mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't escape him and all those Black Series Grogu and Mando figures like there's not one sequel figure coming out this year that I can see at least maybe there's like Dark Side Ray I don't know if that dropped this year but you look at it's almost like they finished that trilogy and we're just like, okay, we're going to put a cap on this and we're going to put it on the shelf. It's there. It exists. We've invested all this money into this park. Maybe yeah. we'll transform it into the Mandalorian park someday, but yeah, man, like once again, like I just look at my kind of own four walls and like my kid notwithstanding, I've bought zero star Wars merchandise for myself since like episode <laughs> one. And like yesterday I bought a, Grogu coffee mug and I'm wearing a brand new Mandalorian t-shirt so um, yeah I, I'm going to suggest that those two have some appeal yeah <laughs> no doubt <laughs> so before we end this trailer discussion here let's I'm going to take the temperature of the room 
where does this put you as far as hype level for the book of Boba Fett? Let's talk a little bit about where you were before coming off season two. And now we're at with this for me personally, I don't want to see anything else. I'm happy with this. This trailer seemed to be very much concentrated in the first episode. I don't think there's, there might be a scene from episode two, but my guess is all of this is in episode one of the book of Boba Fett. So I don't, I don't want to see anymore. I'm sold, sold in the concept from the title card but now that we've seen some more of it and we get to a look at a a a boba fett that is going to transition to something different right it's not he, he comes right out and says in the dialogue i'm not a bounty hunter which mm-hmm. i like right it's like this is what it is this is what it's not going to be and so it lays it out there for us so how does that how does that change your hype or is it the same how are you feeling about this one yeah, like a, a lot of my hype for this one is derived from like the the stuff that we do with the show around it. So I'm looking, mm. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to our collabs with the Vigilante 1939 fellas, and and honestly, that's like one of the primary drivers for my enthusiasm with this one in particular is just how hype our boy Nico is for yeah. this show coming out. And then uh, I think I'm more excited now that I see what. Boba's motivation is and kind of the thread that they're going to be taking uh, through this series with his new role and whatnot, because that's always been a big part of Tatooine and how it functioned, right? Mm-hmm. From the days of Shimmy Skywalker to uh, Leia choking out Jabba. So, yeah, it'll be neat to see uh, that play out. And and I got to admit, like, I was just a little skeptical because I was like, really? We're this galaxy far, far away and we're going back to Tatooine mm-hmm. again? The Sand Planet? <laughs> I'll go back to Arrakis. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, I was going to say, look at the success of that movie you <laughs> talked about last week. It was just sand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm more excited now uh, just because the narrative fits squarely in my wheelhouse for mm-hmm. my preferred um, part of Star Wars. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be cool for sure. Yeah, very, very exciting. And like you said, we're going to be doing our normal live stream with the Vigilante crew I guess the end of December, just before New Year's, because we got that and the end of Hawkeye, I think the week before, and we have Cobra Kai coming out a couple of days later. It's going to be a, a busy week leading into 2022. And then we got Morbius in the first part of January of 2022. Oh, I know. There's just so much stuff coming up between like now and mm-hmm. the end of the year. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And that, that really kicks off this week, man. That kicks off with eternals you guys reviewed dune last week we've talked about venom we've got a shang chi review coming up here in a few short weeks we never reviewed that film we're waiting for this disney plus drop that is coming on november 12th but in between all that we have got eternals dropping this week into theaters and one of the things that has filled up a lot of discussion online about this film is the early reviews. Now, we're going to use some numbers in here, and we're going to use a particular website, Rotten Tomatoes, as what I like to call the barometer. We're just taking the temperature here. You know, this might not be the best website in the world. It might not be correct. But ultimately, this is an amalgamation and an aggregation of a lot of reviewers, a lot of people that are commonly commonly providing their commentary on everything from the indie flicks right through to the big MCU movies like Eternals. So that's how we're going to use this. And I'm even going to quote the Rotten Tomatoes score here because it is 
unprecedented <laughs> for an MCU film. So it is currently sitting at, this is pre-release, it is currently sitting at 56% on the Tomator, or to, whatever the hell it's called, from our review. So there's no audience input here. This is all from reviewers. So this is officially rotten. An MCU film has never been this low, and I don't think an MCU film has ever been rotten, especially in this post really Thor the Dark World era. There has not been a real miss in any of these films throughout Infinity Saga. And arguably, the Infinity Saga makes those weaker films better by how they integrate some of the story. So this is a real shocker. But I will have to say, as an MCU fan, this actually excites me. I'm not down on the movie. I'm not upset that it's rotten. I really don't care what critics have to say ultimately at the end of the day. What excites me about this is this seems to be subverting the expectations of those critics. And when you look at what the ratings and what the reviews are saying, and this no spoilers here, and this isn't really an in-depth look, but they're using words like ambitious, grand, visually beautiful, but they're talking about the fact that it's different from the formula. It does feel like there's a lot of character backstory. There's a lot of flashbacks. There's a lot of contextualizations through, through words. There's struggles with the scope. But what I, what I hear from that is that it's this big movie, this cosmic movie that tries to rapidly expand a concept inside of the MCU that intrigues me. And that's the cosmic end of things. And so, for me personally, this type of rating, this type of feedback doesn't scare me. Now, my, my voice may change next week, guys, because I think, fingers crossed, we're going to be all able to see this this weekend and actually sit down and review it the week after it's released. But up until then, I'm going in with my, my normal MCU hype, even that slightly turned down the way it was for Shang-Chi and even Black Widow. My anticipation isn't at a fever pitch like it normally is. But this year has me intrigued. Carlos, reflecting on this fairly wide rebuttal against the MCU by critics in a unprecedented fashion where usually we see this early praise heaped on, this 80, 85, 90% in this bucket that we're going to use that is rotten tomatoes because it's we can use something that's all kind of level normalized if you will how does this make you feel about this movie that we're going to see this weekend sorry i dozed off there you're talking about the eternals oh. um ah. <laughs> uh yeah i i don't know like honestly the the fan discourse around the Rotten Tomato scores and the MCU in general, it, it's just a weird thing for me. <laughs> like, like cards on the table, and maybe this is why we have to bring in Ian because I'm not going to be on the show anymore. But there's a pile of movies in the MCU that probably should have been flirting around this score before this one. So, I don't know. It, it actually is, really is there one in particular you want to say there? <laughs> no, no, the the the. I, I will say that the the two that fit between the big Avengers three and four movies certainly benefited <laughs> from the hype of 
Infinity War and Endgame because they are terrible and unwatchable. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, I I truly do think that there's probably four or five that should have been sniffing around here. Uh, I am really surprised that critics were down on the Eternals mm-hmm. in particular, given Chloe Zhao coming in. And I was, she is the part of this movie that made me the most excited and just kind of some of the interviews with her talking about how she challenged um, the Marvel method and mm-hmm. how she brought in some different filmmaking techniques and some of the cameras that she was using and some of the handheld stuff. And then we see the first visuals and they were um, quite different than things that we've seen historically, like yeah. the, the Eternals, like the, the energy constructs that they have. I thought was a cool look and um, them in their costumes themselves was cool. So yeah, I I'm shocked to be honest with you mm-hmm. that it tracked this badly with critics. But then I look at stuff like the Kamal Nalgiani character and I'm just like, that is terrible. Like it's, <laughs> he's uh, apparently one of the standouts in the film. <laughs> well, yeah, and like, what, like, who are you selling that to? Are you selling that to South Asian people? Because I'm one of them, and like, he's borderline offensive in everything <laughs> I've seen. So, um, yeah, that's not working for me. And then, uh, yeah, like, the, you're kind of, you're really cool characters seem very cold and stoic in Thena and Icarus or Icaros. And then, Gemma Chan's character seems like she's got some dimensions to her, but um, yeah, we'll see. But I, I don't know. I thought that Marvel Studios would know that they were behind the eight ball a little bit with just bringing the Eternals to life mm-hmm. and that this would be the one that they would make sure came off like gangbusters. So, like, I'll be honest, if we weren't reviewing this, it would be a Disney Plus watch for me, for yeah. sure. Um. And you know what? It it might still be if we don't get out and see it. I've kind of drawn a line in the sand that I said, okay, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for the movie theater. Maybe I should have done that with Dune. <laughs> yeah, you probably should have. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing, too, with The Eternals. It's like, for me personally, I saw Venom 2, which was like, oh, shoot, The Eternals will be like the Ten Commandments after watching this movie. But then you see a movie like no time to die and you see a movie like dune and the eternals like i think they've kind of tried to parallel that dune marketing campaign mm-hmm. and where it's coming out and, and there's been connections that were maybe unintentional like chloe Zhao being the person to present dune at uh, i think it was sundance where mm-hmm. she presented the film and whatnot. So there's been connections like that. And it just like Dune sets the bar so high yeah. for this kind of grand scale filmmaking that, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Like this grand scale visual epic, but also cosmic in, in its undertone. Mm-hmm. Right. And much bigger and diverse and them having essentially follow each other might not fare so well on a turtles if you're using that as your your direct comparison as your most recent viewing experience and then jumping over into this yeah yeah like it's you know you have these vast landscapes in both movies you have these beings from other planets kind of 
inserting themselves into different cultures and whatnot. So there are some parallels there, and yeah, it'll be hard to try and take off those uh, your your still suit goggles and watch Eternals for what it is. Well, it's going to be an interesting review if we do get to it next week. It'll be at either at the earliest next week, maybe later. Who knows? We'll we'll make sure we announce that on Twitter and that, but. I guess my soapbox sales pitch didn't sell you on Eternals, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not overly swayed by the Rotten Tomato score either no, way. No, me neither. With, with things like, um, and especially when it comes to Disney, because there is like the dynamics in the background where it's like you want to make sure you keep them happy so they give mm-hmm. you access still. Um, there are other franchises where it's just like, Oh, I need to pay attention uh, because this got a good review. But at the same time, there's a whole pile of Fast and the Furious reviews with positive or positive uh, scores on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. and those films also are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I want out of it most, and I think this sort of comes where some of the confusion comes for the marketing. I haven't followed the marketing on this one very closely, but from what I've seen, it seems confused in its marketing. Like, who is it trying to sell and what is it trying to sell? Is it a grand ensemble? Is it a visual epic? Is it a cosmic story? Is it a, a formulaic MCU story? Like, what are they trying to do in here? And maybe that's some of the confusion around what the film is and that, like I said, it subverts so much expectations and it breaks the mold of every other Marvel movie. Like, even Shang-Chi, like it, it is part of the formula, right? There, You can see how it's developed. They've added certain elements in to enhance that character in that world. But ultimately it's kind of got this pattern to it. And mm-hmm. this is breaking that mold apparently in a major way. And so it'll be interesting to see even the repercussions of this for filmmaking down the road, because like I look at this and I look at no way home, no way home. I'm worried about too, to be honest with you. That's oh, what man, the, that movie is. <laughs> yeah. But, and like no way home won't be all on, marvel studios if it no. doesn't come together um because like yeah our our guests there certainly had a hand in um putting that one to screen but yeah I, I don't know like for me i have a handful of movie reviewers that i consult their opinions and when i say handful it is literally like five people who i kind of trust and uh i think have a good pulse on cinema in general and not just the marvel stuff but with mm. everything from the Incredible Hulk to the Irishman kind of thing. And a few of them who are typically all or have been favorable on the MCU fair uh, by and large, even they were a a bit down on the Eternals and they would be folks that would be welcoming to the different approaches and Mm -hmm. kind of in for anything and and certainly understood um, the subject matter as well. And yeah. if not the Eternals, intimately comic book movies in general, and it didn't land with them either. So I'm I am fascinated uh, mm-hmm. from that standpoint as well to see kind of what we're what we're getting here. But yeah, <laughs> it's certainly going to be an interesting discussion after leaving the theater because it, it, when you say that, I get this flashback of 2017 and the Last Jedi. When I walked to the theater, thinking, man, I was supposed to freaking love that. That was supposed to be like amazing, and I am a bit, <laughs> I'm a bit confused as towards my feelings on this. 
Oh man, that that movie, it is the greatest and the worst all at the same time. Uh, it, it's yeah, we're not going to get to the last shit I think, but that's like coming out of the theater, I was like I don't know what to do with myself right now. Like people are asking, yeah, be- what do you think? What do you think? And I was like, I honestly have no freaking clue. Because <laughs> yeah, it was the greatest and the worst all at the same time. <laughs> so, my expectation going into Eternals is it nearly at the height <laughs> as it was going into the last Jedi? That I can say for sure. But I'm excited to see what this this movie brings. And this might actually be my first film I see on the weekend. I'm probably not going to see it opening night. I'm definitely not going to see it opening night. But the first movie I see opening weekend since the start of the pandemic, since Spider Man Far From Home was probably the last one I saw opening weekend. <laughs> shoot no oh, yeah well, yeah we all went to that one too mm-hmm. yeah well if if you want a, a a theater with some space you can do the 10 o'clock preview show at the theater by my house there's literally two seats sold really oh i might might uh might do that yeah <laughs> man grab a red bull and hit it up uh, those 10 o'clock, yeah i'm usually half asleep and if this one <laughs> if some of the the critics reviews here are, are really come to fruition i might have a hard time getting through midnight on this one <laughs> so we shall see but anyways guys we're gonna be coming at you with a review like i said in the not too distant future maybe next week maybe not maybe we'll have a special guest maybe not we shall see but that ends our news segment for this week because we have to leave a substantial amount of time for this next segment because carlos is literally going to talk for an hour about (laughs) his week at nerd so let's zip over to that let's talk some plastic let's build off of that momentum we had from last week with the great purchase of the Rancor, the HasLab Rancor. We'll provide a little update here in our Week in Nerd. Hashtag back the beast. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Like Carlos said, hashtag back the beast. This is our campaign from here in the nerd room to try to get that monstrosity of a black series figure back so I can put this foot and a half 42 inch wingspan figure right next to my children and scare them while it eats Luke while it eats a twilight while it eats a rancor keeper I don't know I want the next tier but <laughs> with that that was my big purchase from last week when we talked about our weekend nerd and that is almost 50% backed with about 30 some odd days left 36 days left so there's just shy of 4100 backers I believe at this point of 9,000 needed it's going up at about a pace of 200 backers a day so we need to put some work into this guy so if you're a black series collector if you're wanting to just see what we can do in this space back that beast (laughs) I had some discussions with some friends, some three and three quarter inch collectors. There does seem to be, when it comes to the HasLab at least, a bit of a divide between the six inch and the three and three quarter inch, where I personally am a six inch collector. I didn't back the barge. I didn't back the Razor Crest. It seems to be happening the inverse here, where the three and three quarter inch are sticking to that line, those HasLab, because they haven't had the Razor Crest delivered yet, right? And so in turn, they're not backing the Rancor. And some other people I've talked to also want to see what the tiers are, what we're going to get if we do get to that 9,000. What's the next step? Is there a Rancor Keeper in stall for us? Is there something bigger, a Luke, a Twi'lek, something? What is the next step for this? So 
I'm going to keep my finger on the pulse on this one because it's going to be a substantial amount of money that's spent <laughs> on a giant piece of plastic in the not-too-distant future. They didn't charge my credit card right away, which I thought they were going to do. But I looked last week after the recorder. It's yet to show up. So either I haven't backed it <laughs> or they're waiting until it's back before they collect the funds. <laughs> so we shall see. Now, before I let Carlos take off with the rest of the show, I just got to quickly comment on a couple of things I picked up this week because I actually did a, a fairly nice run around the city. I hit a few Walmarts looking for that TMNT blimp that they released, the big blow-up one, the retro-looking one. I convinced myself in my head I need that. No luck there. But in my travels to a Toys R Us, I found two really cool items. One being a Super Shredder Funko Pop from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Secret of the Ooze. So I got this neat little Funko Pop here. It's nice because this line's relatively contained. I just need this and Toka and Razor. So back into the Funko Pops a little bit just for a short amount of time here. So we're going to keep that pretty tight. But I also found the Disney Plus What If Marvel Legends Wave. And I said to myself, I'm staying away from this except for this zombie cat, which I've thrown a few images up on, on our Instagram, so you can go check that out at the NerdRM. But I have to say, this is one of my favorite recent cat figures just because of the commitment to the zombie cat version. We've got his leg is see-through in several parts. You can see his femur, his hands, his arm, his back is all chewed up you can see ribs the face sculpt it's got that big jaw the helmet the cap look it is such a well done figure and i just couldn't turn it down in the store i had it in my hand i was sending pictures to the guys saying do you need this do you need this and i said i'm pulling the trigger on this zombie cap so i've got my foot a little wet in that disney plus marvel legends line right now i'm not going any further but carlos i know I know you started down that path as well this weekend, didn't you? Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, because <laughs> yeah, it was it was a funny week because it it was a rough week at the old uh, at the old grindstone and kind of Thursday rolled around and I had Friday off and uh, I needed some plastic therapy after that work week, so I'm just like, shoot, I I really want to land a figure mm-hmm. and. Um, I kind of had it in my head that I'd seen a post for there's a an Asian style mall just north of the city in which the retailers buy little stalls in it, uh, much like the malls in Beijing when I was there. And um, one of the retailers there had put up a Facebook post like ten days before that, uh, insinuating that he was getting the uh, Spider Man retro Sandman figure in, and I'm trying to do like just a few Spider-Man villains and Sinister Six. So I was like, I'd love to get my hands on this. Just a few. <laughs> yeah, just a few, quote unquote. Yeah, and it, <laughs> that blew up in my face literally on, on that day. So I was like, yeah, I got Friday off. The kids have Friday off. Maybe we'll kind of journey north of the city and and see what we can find. But uh, yeah, that that plastic therapy, I just needed it. And so I'm poking around on Amazon and I ended up finding the retro three and three quarter inch symbiote spider-man figure but amazon actually has them in stock and ready to ship and uh hit up troy i'm like dude do you want this thing because they have them and yeah i'll just put in the order if you want and he's like no i'm just gonna wait on the ones that we have ordered from uh 
EB Games or GameStop now up here. So I was like, okay, cool, but I'm going to pull the trigger because I, I need to ensure that I have at least one action figure this weekend. And you, could, you, you can never trust Amazon with some of those carded figures, right? If you want the card intact, it's mm-hmm. good to get a good look at it in the store. <laughs> yeah. So I, I pulled the trigger on this guy and I was just like, you know what? Shoot, whatever. Worst case, at least I get this one little symbiote Spider-Man figure. So Friday morning, he shows up and I was like, ah, this is cool, but we should still make our venture forth. So we went up to Airdrie and uh, I end up we go to this figure store and yeah, lo and behold, there's my six inch retro Spider-Man um, carded Sandman figure. So uh, Flint is in the house. I was able to latch onto him. I was like, sweet. My Sinister Six is half done. I'm good to go. And then my daughter's like, uh, you know, uh, let's just slide over to the mall across the way. So nice, big, beautiful mall there with a huge Toys R Us. Mm, it's a good Toys R Us. Yeah, and as we're floating around in there, she's just like, I love Dune so much. I need to have the Paul Atreides McFarland figure. Oh. I was like, I was like, what? Seriously? And so we, we kind of pop over to where they have those. And man, Uncle Todd like crushed it with these Dune figures. Like Paul is in the still suit and it, he looks cool. Like it looks quite a bit like Timothy Chalamet and he's got that smolder on the packaging. So I was like, hmm. I wonder if this figure will come out loose or if this will remain in the package forever, but we'll see which way this goes. But so, yeah, living that everything Star Wars, Marvel, DC and beyond, uh, we latched on to Paul Atreides and uh, we left there. And so we have the Sandman, we have Paul, ironically, given that uh, Dune and its connection (laughs) to sand. And uh, we head over to, we're like, you know what? We're north of the city anyways. Might as well go see our buddy Dave at Snap Collectibles there. And, uh, yeah, we're poking around in there. And my youngest daughter finds this, like, 1975 Batman pencil sharpener. She's like, I love this thing. You need to own it. And Dave's like, man, just, like, buy something else and you can just have it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, yeah. Tell my oldest, I was like, is there anything here that you want? And she's like, well... Should I get Zeb? Because if I get Zeb, then I have all the rebels taken care of. And I was like, okay, well, I, I, I'll pay for Paul, and you can you can buy Zeb. And then uh, Dave's like, oh, he's like, yeah, you you play around with the Marvel Legends, the Spider Man ones, don't you? He's like, I just bought bought a collection off a guy, and so and he gives me the bro price, so I couldn't say no. But it, he sells me a complete Carnage. Just missing the build a figure figure piece for the monster venom that I have, anyways. And so, a complete carnage with all his accessories and the Cletus head and everything else. And then I found Spider Ham in the box, too, from that same Amazing. wave with the venomized Spider Ham head. So, yeah, I literally ticked off every box on that one trip north of the city. And so, yeah, we had some Star Wars, we had some Marvel. We had some DC and we had the beyond. So I was like, shoot, I am good. I am not buying any more figures for a while. And then freaking Tim is like sending me DMs saying like, man, I'm in this Toys R Us. I found the what if line. I'm getting zombie capped. Do you want Spidey? I was like, nope. I just loaded up. I went to church on Sunday and then on my way home, it's like, yeah, can you grab a can of corn? 
It's like, yeah, sure. Just driving by the mall here. Just slide into the Safeway, grab the can of corn for dinner. And then I go into Toys R Us entrance. And I was like, ah, this, what if Spider-Man kind of want a loose Spider-Man on this shelf? And wouldn't be too much for me to customize him to get him looking the way I want him to look. So I was like, maybe I'll get him. And then I got to go check in the McFarlane's. And I find in the McFarlane section, they'd open a box of Justice League figures, but the pla- uh, Platinum Edition Chase Batman was in there. Whoa. And I was like, shoot, well, I can't leave this on the shelf for some scalper to find. I need to rescue him and like either I'll have one loose because it's honestly the Affleck Batman figure is probably one of my favorite in that that he's put out. Um, or I got a few buddies and Troy included. Well, I got one for Troy already, but um lots of definitely deserving folks that could latch onto this one so i went and i was like ah oh, what if spider-man i was kind of grumbling a little bit because i was like i'm paying 10 bucks more for this marvel legend than i am for this sweet mcfarland figure Did and you? i gotta paint you yeah i was gonna say <laughs> and you gotta customize it i was like hasbro you you couldn't even put the lines on the costume but so be it. I, I'll just I'll just get it and have an afternoon project this Halloween day. I was like, well, I got to go to that end of the mall to grab my can of corn. And EB Games is right there. And I go into EB Games, and Buddy starts talking to me, and he's and he's literally ironically trying to sell me the Eternals figures. He's like, man, he's like, yeah, we got all the Eternals figures, and we got the bad guy and stuff. And I was like, dude. When these things are nine ninety nine, I might buy some to like customize and just, like elevate my game. <laughs> you say, oh, I was gonna send my buddy in when they're half price, so just let me know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah, I'm not buying those, but I spy a white box, and it was the GameStop exclusive Miles Morales Spider Man. Mm. So he's got his um, his stealth camo uh, look going or his power going. So he's like this clear. Miles figure, and it was just too cool to leave in the store. So I was like, ah, got one of them, and now I need to take them home. So I, I went from wanting to buy no figures for two weeks to buying three within 24, 48 hours of making that decision. If, if we're going to be honest here, it was Mrs. Goddamn Batman's fault for asking you to pick up that corn, because without that, there is no visit to Toys R Us, EB Games... <laughs> I know, I know, man. And it just so, goes to show, like, if if you're going on the hunt, just go to church first and you'll find all sorts of stuff. Because yeah. there's no way I should have been able to find Miles and a Chase Batman in one trip to the toy store. Certainly not. And the fact that even that, those what-if figures, I'm presuming you were in the same Toys R Us I was in. So you yeah. likely picked up the same Spider-Man that I had in my hand just 24 hours earlier. Yeah. Well, yeah, and they, they, had, they had a zombie cap there, but he was the only figure that they had two of so they had yeah. like the nebula the uh, captain carter the t'challa yeah the t'challa and then yeah the spider-man mm-hmm. yeah because i th- like i think the zombie cat must be double packed because there was two when i was there i think um and one of every other figure but the disparity between that spider-man and the zombie cap is quite surprising to me because I would say this is, and I don't know if they're reusing parts from other zombie figures. Maybe they've done in the past, but the commitment here to this cap is crazy compared to what you're saying about this Spider-Man. Like I had that Spider-Man in my hand. I looked at it because I don't have a proper red suit 
Spider-Man in my Marvel Legends collection from that homecoming era in that space. I just missed out. I For whatever reason, I was like, oh, I'll get these later. And then I was never able to get them. So I was thinking to myself, am I able to buy this and substitute it in for now? And I yeah. said, no, I can't. Like, this looks nothing <laughs> like that MCU Spider-Man. But when I compare it to this cap, like, even some of the pieces, like the shoulder straps that they use for holding on the shield, every other cap, and you go to Instagram, and I took a picture, and I put a video up of every other cap that exists. They're all molded on, and these are a separate piece of, of plastic um, or of soft plastic. And like I said, like, just the commitment to the, like, one boot, it's got one foot. The hands are different. The arms are different. Like, nothing in this seems to be reused. And like I said, it could be from another zombie figure. But then when you contrast it to that, what you picked up, it's crazy that there's this much disparity in the line, that one line. Yeah, no, I like, and, and we have the two bookends because that Captain America is definitely the best figure in the line and mm-hmm. the Spider-Man's the worst. Mm-hmm. Like the the animated style Peter Parker head is, it's okay. Like it's pretty, pretty accurate, but he also has like this goofy hairstyle. So mm-hmm. I can't see myself ever putting that head on him, but. <laughs> Yeah, like the the web shooters, because he has very overt uh, web shooters in the MCU. They're like just this plain Jane injected molded plastic things that they slapped on them. So those had to come off. And and then, yeah, like that you couldn't even paint the webs on the figure. It's like, seriously. Mm-hmm. And the MCU Spider-Man has less webs on him than a normal <laughs> Spider-Man. So that like as I'm doing, I'm like, this is irritating me because I'm looking at the retro card Spider-Man. I was like, you did such a good job with this one. Why couldn't you do it with this guy? But it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. I saw actually in that Toys R Us, I saw a lot of the, speaking about him earlier, Mobius. <laughs> Man, oh. that figure is stacked deep. There it must have been like 20 on the shelf. Man, there. It, it was funny. I had a pretty candid conversation with uh buddy at EB Games and like, between the Chang Chi wave and the Eternals, and then like figures like Mobius just rotten on the pegs, like they're putting the, they're playing a dangerous game with saddling retailers with all these figures that they can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. And I think that Mobius is he an exclusive to Toys R Us? He must be. I haven't seen him anywhere else. No, yeah. Think. So he he must be. And that's that's the thing with these exclusives that are, are hurting the game a little bit. Like I'm gonna wait on that Mobius. Like I want the figure, and I think it's a pretty good figure. But I'm gonna wait mm-hmm. until they put that on severe discount, like they did with that Captain Marvel, that translucent red and yellow one that went down to sixteen bucks, so like half price. There's no sense in in paying that. Th- I think it's a thirty four dollar figure. You're paying a premium because it's an exclusive, maybe thirty six. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the that's the hard part. That's a balancing act that we have to play with some of these. Would I like to own all the what if figures? Yeah, like I, it's technically MCU canon, but at the same time, I don't need them, right? I can draw just a slightly further over line that just says live action, and I got my cap to fill out my my ever growing Captain America collection. So I can find way through my own rules there. But it's an interesting analysis when you look at the most recent MCU figures outside of the Infinity Saga. They're pretty much just all humans, mm-hmm. right? Um, the Disney Plus wave with Scarlet Witch and all that—that's a—that's a really solid wave. But beyond that, it's these are a couple tough waves that retailers are being saddled with, with not a lot of like, yeah, quote unquote. They have the literally the most diversity, but they're all human figures. You're not getting your Iron Mans. You're not getting your 
even Guardians versus Aliens yet. You kind of have a little, or you got one alien from Eternals, but there's not like it's hard to say because, like I said, they're the most literally the most diverse Marvel Legends we've ever got <laughs> when it comes to yeah, humans. But at the same time, like no, like being a little brown kid that loves superhero action figures, I will guarantee you there is no <laughs> little brown kid that's gonna go on and be like. I want this eternal figure because he's a brown guy. No. <laughs> they might come to Troy or I and say, hey, can you take the head off this and put it on a Superman figure for me? <laughs> paint the hands brown? And we'd be like, yeah, but we got to find the six-inch one because got to get that McFarlane heat. We'll just paint it for scratch for your little brother and hook you up. <laughs> well, and it does beg the question that they went so heavily into this eternal line, so much so that like you can get all ten or whatever it is, Eternals figures through the Build-A-Figure wave, through the exclusives. But when you look back at even the waves for Infinity War and Endgame, they were all busted up into like three mm-hmm. or four different waves that were paired with comic figures that had MCU Build-A-Figures that it made no sense. Like, I don't understand, or maybe they've evolved their, their release and they've drawn a harder line between MCU and comic, but... I've been asking for waves like this for years that you commit to giving us a full MCU wave that is pretty sizable. Endgame and Infinity War were right for the taking, but now we've had over the course of a couple of years and several different 10th anniversary or the Infinity Saga or the actual Marvel Legends mainline, that's how we've been able to piece together. I still don't have a smart or smart Hulk head because I refuse to buy the Bay Ray bill. Hmm. And so I, I don't know why they went so heavy into this Eternals. This would be a better line to maybe let's test the waters here. We'll put some comic versions of the characters out and we'll put three or four out and the build a figure would be this big, huge alien that is, I think a EB exclusive. Um, but they've just gone full in and every retailer has an exclusive. That's either Angelina Jolie or Soma high. You know what I mean? Like it, those figures are unfortunately, you know, with the movies good or bad, or whatever, those figures are going to rot on the pegs. Yeah, no, they'll be there forever. Even like a line like this, like with the Eternals, if you know they're going to be a bit of a niche offering, maybe offer them as a Hasbro Pulse type mm-hmm. of thing, right? Where yep. people can kind of buy them direct and you, you just put out a handful of your most popular characters on the pegs. Or if you want to have something that, it's gonna appeal to kids put them out at that lower price point like i don't know what uh, marvel or hasbro has for that but like the spin master stuff with um the dc side you can like that's totally where they'll throw a few of those experimental characters yeah. in there and it's like yeah in a wave of six you'll get three batmans mm-hmm. but then they'll throw some oddball characters in there like killer moth or whatever and off you go right you can kind of test it out but that way they're not rotten on the shelves and the the rarer figures become kind of coveted. So you'll move them via collectors or yeah. like I always buy those ones for my nephew. Cause I, I think they're just funny that, that they're making like, Oh, they made the Talon for four year olds. Sure. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Just strategically, it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall sometimes in Hasbro. Cause I think you mentioned this. This is going to cause a problem with retailers for future Marvel Legend waves, specifically the MCU ones that I collect, because they're mm-hmm. going to look at it and be like, "No, no, no! You, we can't be taking full lines of MCU figures because they don't sell." 
when you have yeah. your your Mobius, your Eternals, your Shang Chi figures, that if you go back to their release, we've been saying this from the start, like these figures will not sell the same way that your Iron Man caps and Hulks and all that do, right? And it's not anything against the characters. It's just that a lot of these figures aren't really that dynamic or overly appealing. Yeah, I go back to the Rise of Skywalker figures and the way that those were um, trotted out to retailers. And I, I'm sure that that's why they were more conservative with ordering the subsequent waves mm-hmm. because they got burnt with them because you can still buy those. Like Toys R Us has tried to blow them out. I can't even tell you how many times mm-hmm. and they still don't move, right? So of course they're going to be a little gun shy because the guy making the order isn't going to know the difference between wave 75 which is rise of skywalker and 76 which is the mandalorian he's just gonna be like these black series figures didn't sell so we're gonna bring in a third of as many for 76 as we did for 75 Mm -hmm. so yeah and i think too in some cases and i might be wrong and someone can correct me on this is that the skews are very close or the naming convention inside so they just see okay we've got 40 marvel legends at this skew here we don't need to order anymore right mm-hmm. it's like you're saying they don't know the difference between that this is a new wave and we all need this they just see all this stuff stacked on the shelf said no our shelves are full we don't need any yeah oh 100 percent. right like what are, what are your chances of having somebody who has their finger on the pulse and who's a collector mm-hmm. doing the ordering for that type of stuff those are the type of people they should hire but um yeah i can't blame the big box retailers for being a little gun shy when they can't move these almost $40 action figures mm-hmm. of Kamal Gianni. Yeah. And they're not getting any cheaper, man. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to no, still, I'm going to still buy them. I like the, like the look of them look pretty good, but I'm going to be waiting for Kijiji or sales to buy those ones. They're not going to be the 30, $34 purchases for me that add up to $300 by the time I finish the Eternals wave. <laughs> No, no, it's uh, it's gonna be a tough one. But yeah. silver linings, they will be on sale for sure. They will. I've got I've got other things to spend my money on, like a four hundred and fifty dollar Rancor. <laughs> yeah, and a blimp, and a blimp. And actually, just to cap it off here, Hasbro released another set of what the next wave is for the Black Series. Didn't show these off at Hasbro PulseCon, but we got like a Pundababa. I always call him Doctor Zeus. I know that's from Planet of the Apes. So I can never remember the guy's name. The guy that's with Pandababa in Rogue One and in A New Hope. There's a New Hope Leia, Yavin Ceremony Leia. So paired up with that figure that you love, the Yavin Ceremony Luke. Carlos, there we go. You can you have a one-two punch now. And there's a Rogue Buy one, one get one free. Exactly. <laughs> there's a Stormtrooper <laughs> in there, and I can't remember the other figures that are coming. Oh, um, the Migs Mayfield from Mandalorian and there was one other figure in there. I can't remember. Oh, Bib Fortuna. So I can finally complete out my Jabba set in six inch. So Fennec and Boba, right? Oh yeah, of course, two. of course. Yeah. Fennec and Boba. So that's perfect timing for those as well. We'll mm-hmm. never get other n- new ones, but oh, with, with definitely armored up and all that. But another exciting week and those ones, that's one of the coolest ways I've seen in a while, actually from black series that I'm pretty stoked about. Um, so lots of exciting stuff in plastic and some interesting look at, at, at what potentially could be sitting on the shelves and that you guys can wait in, in buying once you see Eternals and love it and give it that 90 plus percent on the, the audience rating just to, to punch back at these reviewers. <laughs> That's right. The, the evil reviewers. Yes. Or 
just ignore Rotten Tomatoes and see it and make up your own mind. Exactly. And then come listen to us. Talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, just wait for our review. Yeah. That's the only one that counts. Yeah. Next <laughs> week's, if it is a full review, it might be a little bit more spoiler than <laughs> our last two reviews with Venom and Dune that the guys walked you through and accidentally did a spoiler-free review for both of those. <laughs> Well, literally, like I said, there was literally nothing to spoil for Venom 2. It's like that first trailer was the movie from beginning to end. So Morbius might be very much the same. (laughs) But guys, we're going to call it there. I got to give one more big shout out to our man, Ian. Again, super excited to have him join the fray here and adding his thoughts and opinions to the nerd room fray it's going to be an exciting time so make sure you go over and give him a follow and him a high five and uh, put some pressure on him what you want to see next you know we're we're still exploring all the different avenues that we could elaborate on here in the nerd room and if you got some suggestions we would love to hear them and he would love to hear them so make sure you add him on twitter and all that and you can find his Instagram as well. I don't know his Instagram off the top of my head, but I will we'll put it out here in the Twitter space and you can grab that because he's got some awesome stuff that he posts from his toy hunts and his lookabouts in Japan there. So anyways, guys, if you would like to be a bigger part of the show as we wrap things up here, you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. The hunt is real. It's over on Instagram at the NerdRM. You can check out some recent videos. I've been playing a little bit with reels and having some fun with some plastic. I think I'm going to continue to do that because it's pretty straightforward. And uh, and I enjoy it. So go check out our Instagram there. You can see likely some pickups from Carlos's big run this week. Maybe he'll throw something up there before the episode drops. And our YouTube channel. You can see all the stuff that we're posting there. We're really expanding That content, Ian, is going to be a big piece of that. His Guardians of the Galaxy video game review is up there. It's a great review. It's got some integrated gameplay and some of the cutscenes, so you can get a real feel for that without being spoiled. That was a big piece that he put together there. He didn't want to spoil some of the the surprises there, so you can watch that without getting any major reveals or spoiled on the video game itself, but get a real feel for what it's all about. And Twitter. That's where we like to hang out. That's where we debate. That's where we talk. That's where you're likely to hear our first opinions on Eternals this weekend. So make sure to head over there and check us out. Hashtag we the nerd, or you can use our handles that are at the end of the episode. So with all that being said, and until next week, which may or may not be our Eternals review for the nerd room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And we'll talk to you guys next week. And thank you so much for entering the nerd room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sunjabby, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.